Today I'm excited because we are not just going to have one communicator. Y'all are going to have four communicators today. Each person's going to get 60 minutes and we'll be here until... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, we do have four communicators this morning. Each uh, are be, will be given six, six minutes, six seconds, to, uh, to, to continue in, in our series of uh, This Is Us. And so if you're just joining us today for the very first time, we've been in a collection of talks called This Is Us, and we've been going over the different core values of discovery of who we are. And uh, they're going to continue that on today as well. And so, uh, without any further ado, did I miss anything? I don't even think I missed anything. If I can get all the speakers to come up, and we're just going to, uh, you can give them a hand as they come up, because it's awkward, and if it's silent. And as they get situated, uh, I just want to, I don't remember what I was going to say. It's weird, because I'm always talking, so now I don't, have, I don't have anything to say, I guess. Do I have anything to say? I don't, no? All right, well, Wyoming, Wyoming. America. I just went to Wyoming. Thank you, whoever said that. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, uh, we got Pastor Mark, and then let's just go from there. Thank you, guys. All right, good morning. It's good to see everybody here. You can't see anybody with these lights in the eyes, but uh, I'm just by faith, I know there are people here. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, Pastor Mark Dedekam. My core value is community. And uh, as I was looking, trying to think of, a, uh, of a, a good definition of community, a couple came to mind. One was maybe having a lot of friends or having a few friends having a best friends, but that just didn't seem to go deep enough for me. And uh, so I kind of hunted around and thought about it for a while. And then I finally came across one. It's, it, the best definition I could find was entering into the life of one another. I think that's a pretty good definition, how we enter into the life of one another. I'd like to read a, a passage of scripture here in Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread at their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, I remember when I first read that passage after I started following Jesus, I was, I was really conflicted. Uh, it got me excited. Wow, that seems neat. But at the same time, it kind of scared me a little bit. Because my, my, my basic nature... Um, back before I became, became a, a follower of Jesus, was I like to, to be alone. I like to enjoy myself. <laughs> but uh, I really did like to be away, away from, by myself and, and, uh, and the like. And I have a little story about um, my, my upbringing. We, um, I grew up in, up in Eureka, about four hours north of here. Um, 
When we were about five or six, when I was about five or six years old, my, my parents bought a ranch. It's about a thousand acre ranch, about an hour and 15 minutes outside of Eureka. And uh, it was way out there. You had to have a four, almost had to have had a four wheel drive vehicle to even to get out there. There was no power, um, no electricity, no telephone. Um, and there was almost no people. And to me, that was great. We, uh, we, ha we, had, um, we were able to go hunting and fishing all we wanted to. We had horses and sheep and huge vegetable garden. And uh, so anyway, as I grew up, I grew older, my parents needed me to, wanted me to stay out there like sometimes a week at a time, several, several weeks every summer by myself because they had to come back in because they had to work and the like. And so I would stay out there, just me and our, our three Irish setters and, um, and take care of the, the ranch. And I really enjoyed it because I was alone. And, uh, but then after, after a few days, they would, they would come back every, every Saturday or every Saturday and they would bring food, which was awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but then I noticed though, I noticed that, you know, every time they did come, I was really excited to see other people, finally. You know, even though I like to be alone, other people, I, I treasured them. And that, that kind of, spoke to me and told me that, you know, we do have an innate desire, an innate desire to be with other people, to enter the lives of other people. You know, even when, when Adam was created by God and he was living in the Garden of Eden, just imagine the glory in the Garden of Eden. And then God probably said, God told Adam, you know, this isn't good enough, Adam. I'm sure he probably thought, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with this. But God said, no, there's something else for you. And that's another person and then we he created he created eve and uh that just shows shows me that god really wants us to live in community with one another to enter the lives of each other and you know it's hard it's hard i know a lot of people don't want to do that because it's hard work it takes sweat and tears sometimes but you know the the benefits are so awesome of living in community with each other you know living in a, a in, in isolation like we were in the past few years when we were strongly encouraged to. You know, that brought a lot of, of uh, loneliness, uh, drug addiction, depression, mental illnesses, and, and just even physical illnesses. And, you know, that just kind of shows us what isolation, not living in a community, can do to each one of us. But, you know, the Lord has given each one of us a gift, and we're a gift to somebody else. And I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you know what, you're a gift. You're a gift to me. And you know, that's what we really are. The, the Bible says that we, together, are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that means God is in our midst and he's moving. And as we develop community, he's here to help us do it. You know, we don't want to try to develop a community just on our own by being good people or hanging out together. We need the Holy Spirit to bound us together. That's good, Mark. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, some of the, some of the benefits are growth in the Lord, joy, carrying each other's burdens, our practical needs get met. So many things are our, our, our need of love. So let's just... Bind together. Make it, make it a, a point to come together and to grow in community with each other. And you know, there's a few things we can do. First of all, we can pray. Say, God, help me to enter into community with somebody. 
with a lot of people even, because we need the Holy Spirit again to move in our lives. And, and also, come to our worship experiences like you are right now. That's how you get to know people. But even to get even further, join one of our groups or two or three of our groups. I know there's a lot of people that are, are members of a lot of them. So, you know, as you, as, you, as you go away from here today, just remember, you know, you have a community here, and let's grow together with one another. All right, good morning, everyone. My name's Caroline. Today I have the great honor and blessing to be sharing the word with you and be sharing the stage with some amazing pastors. Before I start, I want to give a special thanks to Pastor John and Pastor Vanessa. They have done an amazing job creating this community that I call home. So today I chose Audacious Faith. Yeah. <laughs> today as one of the core values, I chose Audacious Faith. And we're going to jump straight into scripture. So Mo God tells Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. This will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So as I was preparing this message for a big, audacious faith, God was steering in my heart that it really starts with little to no faith at all. Now, how many of you have been stuck in a crossroad? And if I can be a little bit more specific, how many of you have dabbled with things that maybe you know you shouldn't have? Yeah, we're in the house of the Lord. We gotta be honest, right? <laughs> so I know that this is true for me, right? So I know that, um, for a small example, I canceled my gym membership a couple months ago. And it doesn't have a happy ending because I still don't have a gym membership. But I think about getting one. And I realize that it's so easy for us to get harder on ourselves when we want to challenge ourselves and do something new, right? So when I think about getting a gym membership, I think, well, if I get a gym membership, I don't want to go in the evenings. I would want to go in the mornings. And if I go in the mornings, I'm going to have to wake up at 545. Do you guys get where I'm going? Yeah. And this is true for other areas in my life, with friends, with people, with bad habits. Well, if I cut this habit off or if I cut these people off, I know I'm going to have to um, seek counsel, right? Find healthy outlets, find healthy friendships. And so similarly to Moses, when God gave him this huge calling over his life to free the Israelites, Moses was also hesitant. He was a bit frightful, right? Um, eventually, Moses became obedient to God's calling. He came into partnership with what God had over his life, and he knew that with God's strength and with God's um, courage, he could take on whatever light ahead. Now, Robin said this uh, wonderfully a couple weeks ago. We have called God our Savior, but have we really called God our Lord? It's easy to call, thank you, it's easy, it's easy to call God, um, I got distracted. It's easy, <laughs> it's easy to invite God into our hearts, but maybe not certain areas of our lives, right? Maybe we want to cling on to some things. However, when we surrender our doubt and our fear to God, he renews our identity. This is where audacious faith starts to work. This is when you start believing that you can take on this challenge. This is when you start believing in forgiveness. This is when you start believing in redemption. This is when you start loving on the people who hurt you, right? And this is audacious faith. And I'll, and I'll give you an extra bonus today free at no extra charge. <laughs> So when God has called you to do something and you're stuck in that crossroad, something that hasn't been encouraging to me is that God not only does this for you to benefit you, but for the generations to come. Yeah. 
And so in Exodus 3.15, God tells Moses, this is my name forever, the name you shall call on me from generation to generation. So God not only calls Moses to free the Israelites and to fulfill his purpose in life, but he has told him that it's going to benefit those around you. So what have you been called to do? Because we all have all have a light. We all have a light, and we like we um, Mark mentioned earlier. We all have a gift. So what have you been called to do? What kind of generational bondages were you called to break, or which which healthy habits were you called to make? So where will your audacious faith take you? Thank you. Right. Well, good job, guys. Good job, Caroline, Mark. You know, setting the bar. That's what I like to see. Anyways, well, good morning. My name is Pastor Mike Peterson, and uh, today my core value is on unity. And we're going to be looking at Scripture, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. And it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all and through all. So when I think of unity... You know, I remember a particular point when uh, when we were just got into this building and we were creating it into the place that you see right now. And uh, John Bender and I and Pastor John, we were demolishing the old bathroom. And we had the toilets out. We got most of the walls out, but we still had the pipes. They was coming from the ceiling down, right? And we still had the pipe left in, but the, but the walls was out, the toilets was out, everything was out. So now we're going to assume that there was one main water shutoff valve, right? So John got up on top, and he's going to shut off the water. And he says, yeah, I got the water shut off. Okay, good. Praise God, right? So little did we know that there was more than one. So we cut the pipe, and oh, my God, it was like a geyser just... Just pouring down on me and John, it was bad. It was really bad. And I'm sitting there with a pipe, holding it up there and trying to get the water to go into the drain <laughs> that the toilet that was in. It was bad. It was like, I mean, we took a shower. Luckily, it was clean water. It was good. It was clean water. It was clean water. But then when Pastor John came back, I think we sent him like Home Depot or the hardware store or something. When he came back, if you'd have seen the look on his face. <laughs> you know, it was, it was amazing, it was, but you know, good times. It was good times. <laughs> but it took a lot of effort and a lot of people working together in unity to create this building, as you see today, so that, and two, you know, we had one goal, we had one vision, we all had the same vision, the same goals, was to create a place where people can come and experience the love of Christ with no strings attached. And when we think of that, when I think of that, I go into, uh, let's see, is it chapter, it's Mark chapter two. No. Yeah, Mark chapter two. And this story here, you know, to me represents the real true of what it really means to for unity. And it's a, it says, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, 
The people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside of the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And to me, that's like, wow, right? And here when it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. So see the power that happens when we come in unity together as one, as one body in Christ, as we were called. You know, it's not just what we can do just in our community, not just what we can just do in our state, but imagine the possibilities, what we can do in the world. When we come together and create a place and just share the love of Christ with people, because that's all we need sometimes. And you know, most importantly too, one of the most important things is, you know, to build unity is one of the Holy Spirit's important roles. He leads, but we have to be willing to be led. And we do that by focusing on God and not on ourselves. See, we all have different opinions, whether it's political, you know, even spiritual, even in ministry, you know, we have different opinions on certain things, okay? But it's okay to disagree with people, see? So if you take anything from today, from especially from this sermon, let's not concentrate on the things that divides us because of our different opinions, but let's concentrate on the things that unites us and what God says unity is, and those things are, just got to remember this, unites us like one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. And that's on focusing on what God says and not focusing on ourselves. And let's, you know, and then Matthew 18, 20 says, for two or three are gathered in my name, then I am with them. So let's get together, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, come together in unity, and let's just get out there and share the love of Christ with people. Good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Janice. It's such a privilege here to be on stage with these different communicators. And then most of all, for thank you to Pastor John and Pastor Vanessa for even giving us the stage and thinking that we have anything worth talking about up here. <laughs> so I just want to honor you in that. Um, today, my core value is excellence. Um, so a little bit of context. I want to highlight specifically two verses, but the whole story is found in John 2, 1 through 11. And it's a very short story. It's the story of Jesus's first miracle. And some of you, I'm sure, know what, where I'm going with this. But basically, in Galilee, Jesus, his mom, and his disciples were invited to a wedding. And in the middle of this wedding, I presume, like, it's a reception situation. 
His mom, Mary, realizes that the wine is missing and like shock and horror, the wine is gone, basically. And so she goes to, to Jesus, her, her son, and says, basically, you need to do something about this because there's no wine, do something. And so this is where my first highlighted scripture comes from. Um, G- Mary goes to Jesus. Jesus replies by saying, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not come. His mother then says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And that's John 2, 4 through 5. And I'm sure Jesus's like, response was probably very gentle and loving and like, dear woman. But... It makes me laugh because it sounds like he has a, like a huge attitude towards his mom. And then his mom makes me laugh, too, because it sounds like she has no time for it. She's like, no, servants, he's going to tell you what to do. I don't care what he just said. <laughs> so that always makes me laugh. So basically, Jesus, like a good son that he was, he listens to his mom, and he goes, and Jesus, and Jesus turns six stone water jars into wine. The second scripture I want to highlight is towards the end, which is verse 9. So after Jesus changes the water into wine, the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a couple things in my life that I really need to bring my best towards, in my opinion. That's in my workplace. That's here when I serve at church. And believe it or not, within my family as well, bringing my best self to my family, doing the best I can, Um, as a member of my family, as a daughter, as a granddaughter, as a sister. And, you know, that all that all of that counts. So and I'm sure you're thinking, well, duh, Janice, of course, we all want to be the best. It's it's ideal to be the best and to give the best. But I want to say I want to take it a little further and remind at the end of the last verse we read that Jesus, when he turned the wine into the best wine, his disciples grew faith in him. His disciples knew who, you know, really saw his glory. And so when we do our best down here, us as believers, we are not just doing it for our benefit. We're doing it for the benefit of other of, of of bringing him glory, of bringing him honor, and it's to be more like him. So if you don't hear or if you don't remember anything else I have said this morning, the only thing I would love for you to remember is excellence is not just your delivery of an action. It's the posture of your heart and whose it belongs to. And that sounds great again. But in the society that we live in, the reality is we are taught that you only do good for those that do good for you first and that you only do the best for those that do the best. And, you know, there's this term going around in the workforce. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It's called quiet quitting. Basically, you quit. You don't quit your job, but you quit going above and beyond because it's too much too above your pay grade you don't want to you you want to stay within what you're getting paid for and don't get me wrong i'm an advocate for work-life balancing you know being paying people well and being paid well like that's that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is that it that doesn't matter when you show up for work show up for work when you have a job to do let's do it well because of who we're representing here on earth and even with our families You know, I can be such a jerk to my family because I know they love me, so whatever. But (laughs) if we prioritize 
you know, bringing our best selves to our parents, our spouses, our kids. We're doing ministry at home. We're, we're, we're showing who Jesus is through us to our family as well. And imagine if Jesus didn't, you know, didn't change the, the water into wine or better yet, what if he changed it to just like grape juice and called it a day? Like that, that would have been the bare minimum that he would have done. And then what would that have looked like for his disciples? What would they have been putting their faith into? A God that does the bare minimum. But luckily, God does not do the bare minimum. God is excellent. God does everything with so much excellence. God gave us his perfect son, and that is the best that he gave us. God showed, Jesus showed us, showed everyone at that, at that wedding, at that party, that the God that, rep- that, that sent him down to represent him does the best and that he is excellent. So us, ladies and gentlemen, as believers, if you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus, it is our, our um, desire, it should be our desire to represent God by giving our best, doing things that, you know, even doesn't matter how big or how small, whether you're being watched or not, whether you're being paid for it or not, to give our best because that's who lives within us. That's who we are representing here down um, on earth. And, you know, again, Jesus, God gave us Jesus, his best son, and the biggest sacrifice for our life in eternity. So let your version of excellence really show who lives within you every single day.